To be that is the question uh -huh. I think therefore I am a legend It's 24-7, 365 Parents advise discretion With thoughts like mine Empires fall, you should know that these walls Only up for protection World on guard, got them all on the edge Balls at eight feet, barely balance the tension Raising the heat, I could leave any second Fall to the street and be home by 11 Do an interview with KP On the session and laugh when he asks If it's passion or an obsession Yes, the point I'm at, there's no Oh, hello, Katie. Hello, Tristan. How are you? I am well. How are yeah, you? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Who who are you and why are you in my house? Who am I? Great. Who am I? Who am I? I am in your house. Uh, well, no, I'll start with who I am. I'm okay. Katie Barbaro. Uh, <laughs> I am a comedian and actress and writer. And um, Very and, good. And I... Um, I'm getting better at saying that that's what I am. I mm -hmm. use. I'm also an occupational therapist. Okay. Which is I still do that part time to make money. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I feel like I used to like kind of hide behind that. Like, look, I'm a legitimate person, and then mm -hmm. these are my hobbies. And so, <laughs> yeah. So in the past like couple years, I've transitioned into like these aren't these are my legitimate pursuits. Mm -hmm. yeah. I can see myself as a real uh, as an artist. That's like the first step, right? You yeah. Know? <laughs> I guess I've kind of always been the opposite of like I'm a, like I'm an actor writer oh and then I do this other thing to pay my bills like always and as much as like uh, I guess growing up um, art was seen as more a more legitimate thing than most in our household because I was oh, yeah. like homeschooled and all blah 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 um, but um, what is an That's occupational so occupational therapist yeah what is that I I don't know. Yeah, that's okay. Oh, no, a lot of people, good question, because nobody, okay. everyone assumes that it's like, oh, you help people find jobs, and that's uh, not true. No. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, it's a, it's similar to physical therapy, but okay. essentially what occupational therapy focuses on is function and meaning. So it has a lot of, uh, it's a generalized degree. Um, mm -hmm. I got my master's in OT. You need to, like, have a license to practice. Mm -hmm. Um but yeah, so essentially, uh, the the philosophy of OT is to help people live more meaningful lives. Um, but specifically, what I do, I work in pediatrics, and so I work with kids who have developmental delays mm. or autism. And um, yeah, I kind of we set goals. If it's in a school setting, we'll set goals to help them, like do things. You know, we might work on like fine motor skills or visual motor skills or their sensory integration. That's really cool. Yeah, it yeah, is that's cool. A good thing. It is a it is a it's like full Martha Stewart. It's a good thing. Full Martha Stewart. Yeah, that was her catchphrase. It's a good thing. You're really good at catchphrases. Yeah, you know it's that's a, the second one. I mean, it's the first <laughs> one we've done since we started recording. Mm, but, but the second one today, yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> where are you from? I am from Los Angeles, the Los Angeles area. Oh, Los Angeles. I, Los Angeles. I grew up in Glendale. Oh. And yeah, are you familiar? No. Oh, well, <laughs> I'm you gonna pretend like I am. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's uh, that eight one eight area code. Okay. Holla. Um, yeah, and I went to I went to USC out there, and basically, nice. yeah, like I always, like I didn't want to go to USC at first just because it was so close to home, but then it ended up being a great place to go like a very good school yeah, yeah like a, turns out it's a very good school and convenient 
bright yeah. night. And mm-hmm. I was like being a brat, like, I but I'm gonna go away to college. <laughs> uh-huh. I understand. And then that. I was like, Oh well, when you're an adult, you can just move away. And that's why it's <laughs> kind of what brought me to New York mm-hmm. eventually was like, let, let's take that goal seriously mm-hmm. as an adult. So I moved here like a year and a half ago yeah. to pursue my more artistic passions with my full-time energy mm-hmm. as opposed to I, – I love occupational therapy, but it's – and it's now like kind of the backup plan that it yeah. was intended to be from my perspective. Because as soon as I was like, I want to be an actress, my parents were like, cool, what's your backup plan going to mm-hmm. be? And then got her. Then I got a master's. Well, that's <laughs> well, that's good that you have one because I like I know a lot of people who don't, um, and I feel like I I feel like there's definitely like two schools of thought about it. Of like, if you have a backup, I feel like you're kind of more confident in one way, and as much as you're like, I can always support myself, that'll never be an issue. But on the other hand, like you, it feels like you're kind of going back to that because a lot of people think of like, oh, well, if I only do this one thing then I'm committing fully to it. So how how do you find that balance, like, of knowing that you have an option to, like, have a quote-unquote proper job? And, like, because you, like you said at the beginning, you are now just starting to introduce yourself as an artist. Um, how long did that take for you to figure that out and, like, go, no, it, art is legitimate? Yeah, I mean, I would say, to answer your question about the, like, balancing... Mm-hmm. Um, it, I mean, it, it has been, it's been a process of figuring out the balance, right? Cause like right now it's working out nicely where I can stand to work between like five and 10 hours a week and be okay money wise, which is like really nice mm-hmm. because then I actually do have the time yeah, to, you're doing sets all the time. Fo- yeah, I do. Uh, yeah, I've been lucky enough. And I used to do a lot of, like, shows but also had a full-time job. Mm-hmm. And then it was just, like, I had no joy, yeah. you know? <laughs> I was just like, oh, yeah, I'm doing all the things I want to do. But it was in this, like, very, like, overly mm-hmm. overextended and, like, yeah, I just wasn't happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, finally I have more space. And it's actually – I find it helpful to not put pressure on – my art to make me money you know Mm -hmm. so it is I feel like the situation I have now is actually pretty sustainable Mm -hmm. which kind of makes me calm down a little bit because as soon as you're like oh you know I want to although I think there is value in being like this is what I want to do I'm going to use every single resource I have to succeed at this and then I will have no choice but to succeed Mm -hmm. but I think for me it's helpful to kind of um, take some of that pressure off because, like, I don't need to be a financial success in order to have success. Because mm-hmm. um, I know that I tend to, like, be very, like, accolades driven. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I like to be like, oh, great. I support, my, I support myself doing this thing that gives me legitimacy. Whereas, mm-hmm. like, I can feel like a legitimate creator by just creating things. Um so, yeah, I, I like that I can financially support myself with this part-time, yeah. like, job. Good. So yeah. I don't feel like I need to ever – like, it would totally just be a fear move if I was like, I'm going to go back to working. Unless I have this, like, you know, some sort of spiritual experience where I'm just like, I need to be a Fall full-time OT again. you wake up and you're like, oh, man, I got to get this together. 
Right. Exactly. <laughs> We're just like, I got to like, I have to stop. I have to start hiding myself. I don't know. Less jokes, more helping folks. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. That's, yeah. not, that's not a good mantra. I think jokes help folks too, though. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I've seen Patch Adams. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, let's model our lives around that. Yeah, no, oh, absolutely. No. I have a big pool of spaghetti in the backyard. <laughs> um, it's been a while since I've seen it, but I'll jump in that pool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so why out here um, f- to move from California? Um, why not Chicago or Austin or Minneapolis that also have very good art scenes? Or is it just because New York is New York and the place to be? Yeah, it's kind of like I just had this... I did the artist way. Have you ever heard of that? I have heard of the artist way, yes. You have heard of I've You not, have not? I've not experienced the artist way. Okay, cool. I've not read the artist way. I've heard many jokes about it, and I've read the parody The Nerdist Way by Chris Hardwick. Ooh, I mm. haven't read that. It's However, very good. I'm sure it is. If you like Dungeons and Dragons, it's very good. Okay, great. Yeah. I- <laughs> if you don't, it's kind of lost on you. Got it. Well, there's it's probably lost on me, but you mm-hmm. know, there's something for everyone. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I hope you find your way. <laughs> that was a very mm-hmm. kind thing for you to say. But also just no, but um the artist way. Why does No, I it's yeah. Good. I think you'd also like this, though. Because, oh, probably. Yeah. But also, um, no, I was just going to say, I, I did it, like, about five years ago. And for some reason, yeah, New York just kind of kept coming up. And I'd, I had only been here before I moved here. I'd only spent, like, two weeks in the city. But it was, like, a, I don't know. I just had a feeling, you know, when you just, like, in your gut, you know that this is, like, a place that feels right to you. It, it was just kind of a gut feeling. And mm-hmm. thankfully. Fully, I was able to, like, I, I I guess normally, I don't know, it's like it's kind of hard to trust your gut sometimes. And so moving here was definitely listening to my intuition. And, yeah, it just felt like a, a good thing. Good. <laughs> so, and, yeah, I mostly needed a change of scenery mm-hmm. from home. You know, mm-hmm. like, even though L.A., obviously, you can do acting and writing and improv and mm-hmm comedy but yeah i needed to do it yeah that makes sense and kind of i feel like going back to what you said like of wanting to move we go to a school that was just a way you know that you finally get that opportunity for yourself as well which is good i think um two yeah. things i thought of uh one do you find that like because i know i'm like addicted to self-help books do you find that like you're the same. Like, I have read so much Dale Carnegie that I didn't need to. I'm, yes, I'm, I get so – I love, mm-hmm. yeah, the feeling of just getting inspired and mm-hmm. re-inspired. And I'm like, oh, great, I'm done. I just started <laughs> – what did I just start? Oh, I just, just started reading the, the Happiness Project. Okay. Have you read that no, one? What, it just sounds that? like something we'd be into, Oh, yeah, right? for sure. Yeah, The <laughs> Artist Way is totally one of those things. I also just redid it. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, okay. which it's, it's a good thing to redo. Oh, absolutely. Uh, but it's check also – in with yourself. Yeah, exactly. Like, you can – you can always get re-inspired. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's always room for more <laughs> self-help. Yes. Uh, yeah. No, I definitely uh, do that. I read, like, some of my favorites, like, Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert is so inspiring. I love her, I love her too. Mm-hmm. Do you, what have you, have you read that of hers? Uh, no, I haven't. Um, I've, I'm familiar with uh, 
Eat, Pray, Love, and then I've listened to a lot of interviews of her, a couple of interviews. Oh my um, gosh. She's on, yeah. um, there's this podcast that I absolutely adore called My Brother, My Brother, and Me, and they're a um, an advice podcast, but they're, they're improvised, like they do very bad advice, but sometimes every once in a while, like they will advise people actually well, and most of the time is, it's a lot of like social anxiety stuff, um, but she did an interview for them. Um, I'll send it to you. It's really Please good. Do. I, I sometimes what I do is I just type her name into my podcast <laughs> app and I see what she's been oh, on guest on. Absolutely. She also has her own podcast. Oh, does she know? Yeah, it's called Magic Lessons. Okay, it's really wonderful. It's so she. It's actually really inspiring as like an artist because mm-hmm. she takes people who are creatively blocked or have some sort of resistance yeah and like they talk about they Mm -hmm. yeah she will work walks them through this and then yeah Yeah, she's on um max fun which is the same network as my brother my brother and me so that i just that's like that's why i've heard that i've heard an ad for it but anyway um yeah that sounds really good um one of the biggest things that kind of changed my life what came from her and it's a really simple thing and she's like get dressed before you do any artist work like, don't do stuff in pajamas. Just, like, treat it like a job. Mm. And I was like, awesome. Never never editing a podcast in my boxers again. Just always going to at least wear pants. Thank you. That is awesome. I yeah. haven't uh, – yeah, that's, like, I really like that. I didn't – I don't attribute that to her, but now I, now I know that she said that, which does make sense because she's a genius. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's true. Like, it kind of goes back to, like, just – the legitimacy of your art it's like yeah Mm. this is a legitimate thing that i'm spending like that's kind of i find myself needing to like take my work just down the street to starbucks or Mm -hmm. my local coffee shop little bean shout out little bean (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah no i i like to take myself to like an office space Mm -hmm. to just yeah just say okay now you're working let's put this hat on we can take off your pajama hat Mm-hmm. I don't have a pajama hat. I oh, I, I, I imagined you in a pajama, like an old style, like, you know, um, pajama set with a, one of those floppy yeah. side hats. And I was like, oh, but that's perfect for you. I would. Yeah. If I had the means, I would either make or send you a pajama hat. Now. Thank you. Maybe <laughs> yeah. we can just illustrate one on the like the podcast episode, <laughs> yeah, like the thumbnail. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> just us in our PJs with our caps. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's um, very nightmare. I mean, not nightmare. It's very. It's a nightmare. <laughs> it's, it's a, a visual it's nightmare. Like a we nightmare. looked at. Over- <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, like, wait, the night before Christmas. What yeah. is it called? Is yeah, that night before Christmas? Yeah, and all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not yeah, even a mouse. Twas the night before Christmas. That's all it is. Yeah, night before. Yeah, night before Christmas. Yeah. Okay. Um, you seem like uh, you. I know you do like yoga and stuff, are you, and you seem like a very spiritual person. Were you raised in any particular reason? A uh, reason religion. Huh. Was I raised for any reason? Yeah, yeah well, the reason I'm born. No, is yeah. to, um, Religion, rather. That's interesting. Yeah, I love, oh man, I love talking about spiritual stuff because I've okay. had quite a, like, it's been quite a journey to where I am right now in mm-hmm. this chair. Okay. But, like, yeah, so short, long story short, um, I was raised Catholic. Okay. And that was, it was fine. I just, I never had, like, a, a deeply personal connection to, god or religion mm-hmm. as a child like mm-hmm. i did i was very good at doing what i was told so mm-hmm. like you know i would go to confession and tell the priest like whatever my sins were as mm-hmm. a seven-year-old i always thought that's not that insane well yeah 
I mean, the whole well, number, the whole idea of like having to confess to a priest is a little weird for me. But I was raised Lutheran, so like we're like very opposed to that idea. Yeah, that doesn't. It's like maybe just go apologize to somebody. Yeah, <laughs> like, just, like that maybe would be a little this. more. Yeah, exactly. It kind of breeds passive aggressiveism. That's sure. Why not? That's a word. Um, but yeah, you're totally. Right. It's, and then also, like, what a ch- like. It's like feel shame about this and like tell an old man behind a curtain and mm-hmm. then just pray until it goes away. No, I understand where it comes from because, in as much as that's like what prayer is anyway, you're just talking to an old man up in the sky though behind mm. some curtains. Right. Well, that was like always my conception of what God was was like this old man in the sky. Mm-hmm. Like, he looked like my dead grandpa in my mind. I mean, this was, like, when I was... My yeah. grandpa died when I was one and a half. But I was like, oh, well, that's God. Mm-hmm. Um, like, in my head. And, like, yeah, it's been... It's actually been a very interesting... Like, I, I now understand God or my higher power or mm-hmm. whatever that is to be this... Like, it's more so akin to my intuition and my, mm-hmm. like, gut and the thing that kind of, like, I can connect with if I get quiet enough to, like, just... Mm-hmm. listen and you know I kind of um yeah it's been an interesting journey kind mm-hmm. of reconnecting with that instead of this like god with a capital g yeah like this like uh, you know he looks mm-hmm. like George Washington and mm-hmm. his hair blends in with the clouds mm-hmm. that he's sitting on and you know it's <laughs> one of those <laughs> I think that was my image of god oh, yeah it's very uh. this very like other mm-hmm. idea that's fair. But I do yoga, too. You asked yeah. me about that. Yeah. yeah. Is that connected or are you just, like, stretching? I do. <laughs> There's, it's all kind of – it's all connected. Yeah. For me, like, I would say – it's interesting because yoga was something that I found – like you were saying, like, throwing myself – I love doing, like – oh, cool, yoga is the thing that's going to save me. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, this book is the thing that's going to – and it's, mm-hmm. I love, like, throwing my energy into stuff like that. And so for, at one point in my life, like – I started doing Bikram yoga like mm. every single day, which was very obsessive, but also made me feel amazing mm-hmm. and like connected to my body and like this sense of, yeah, I felt that was sort of my like meditation and mm-hmm. my um, sense of like spirituality, I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, it became something that I sort of abused. Um because like I would go at least every like every single day sometimes mm-hmm. twice a day and I know we haven't started talking about it but I am recovering from an eating disorder mm-hmm. um and so this was something I would over exercise as part of my um yeah. you know I was I I was yeah definitely like an exercise bulimic where I would be like okay I have to like I'd be constantly doing math and like how much do I have to exercise to burn off all the calories I've eaten today and everything was like a like a math problem Mm -hmm. and so for yoga became something that was like factored into that equation which was very like unhealthy for me yeah and thankfully today i can do yoga and it's not um it's a lot more moderate Mm -hmm. um which is good because i really do enjoy it yeah it's always like i feel like any sort of addict there's a kind of a Jekyllian realization of like, oh, this thing that I love now I hate because I am abusing it and I'm doing it too much. And it's, and I would say it's like, you have to, developing healthy relationships to any sort of pleasure is very difficult. I think, I think it's difficult for everybody, but like specifically anyone who has like any sort of 
I, I, mental peculiarity because it is like this thing that makes me feel good gives me self-worth I want to feel that always I want to mm. feel this good all the time and you can't and once you kind of realize that like this kind of sounds at least for me is what has helped like life is mostly shit and once <laughs> you kind of realize to get comfortable with like you know life is uncomfortable 80% of the time and you're not trying to seek out that comfort and then you can start going, okay, 80% of the time, I'm going to look at this quagmire that I'm in. And I'm going to go, it's not so bad. Um, mm. And then you can kind of move forward. Because I know a lot of my anger and a lot of my poor choices came from wanting to feel good all the time. And you just can't. Right. Yeah. I feel like that really resonates with me too, mm. where I, yeah, and it almost like beat myself up for not feeling like, what? you shouldn't feel like this sad or you shouldn't be so unhappy it's like mm -hmm. oh sometimes you can just be yeah unhappy yeah and when you find those things it was interesting what you said it's kind of like you're right like it at first it gives you all this pleasure mm -hmm. and then it's almost like it becomes like first it gives you that jolt and then eventually you just actually need it you mm -hmm. don't feel normal without it yeah and so what you're doing is like creating a deficit by overindulging in whatever the thing is absolutely yeah um, uh, um, how long were you like, how long did you, I mean, I guess you're always dealing with an eating disorder because like, when, I feel like you, I mean, I suppose you can re recover from it, but it's something I would imagine you always have a daily struggle with. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, yeah. Now I have like a daily reprieve from it only if <laughs> I focus on, yeah, it's like, it's like it takes constant mm -hmm. action mm -hmm. and like intention setting. Mm -hmm to um yeah to kind of to manage or um but but so yeah my I I think I've always had a disordered relationship with food like ever since I was a very young child I remember I don't know I never felt like I never felt small enough I always felt like a big kid you know mm. I was I don't know um I guess, yeah, I remember being like eight years old and I find I found out what calories were and I was like, oh, and I found out that cucumbers like didn't have a lot of calories. And I remember fantasizing about being an adult so all I could just eat nothing but cucumbers. And I was like, I'll get so skinny. Mm. And it's like, that's fucked up. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now as an adult, like I know that that's like, yeah. but I didn't really have the wherewithal at the time yeah. or the whatever. Uh, I was like, this is just what people think. Yeah. Eight-year-olds aren't very self-aware. No, yeah. no. You're just like, this is this is yeah. what my mind's doing, so it must mm -hmm. be what everyone's mind's doing. And mm -hmm. it's like, no, it's not true. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess I I mean part of like one at one point in my life I lost twenty pounds mm -hmm. by doing this kind of rigid meal plan and that made me feel like I was in control. It was mm -hmm. another one of those like a real source of like ease and comfort, you know. Mm -hmm. I was like, Oh my gosh, I can control my body, like I am losing weight finally. It wasn't like I was I was just like probably teetering on the overweight mm -hmm. it wasn't like i was way overweight but i was i could stand to safely use, lose 20 pounds and i did um but then it once i got there that's when the problem started because i didn't know how to maintain that so it sort of went from this like oh i was restricting my calories in this like safe way and i was still getting the nutrients i needed but then when it came time for maintenance phase i had no idea how to do that mm -hmm. all i knew how to do was keep like restricting my <laughs> bonk okay uh keep restricting my 
by calorie intake and then I'd have like cheat days or cheat meals mm-hmm. or whatever and those would just be like binges and I would then be like okay I need to run 10 miles the next day and then the cycle would just kind of continue oh. um so that sounds rough it was a little rough yeah. and yeah it was like yeah I didn't know I was just like well this is how people do things you know yeah. but and it, the it was like the mental like gymnastics that went around that like food mm-hmm. was just always on my mind and mm-hmm. I thought that's just how it was for everybody because that's just what it was for me like mm-hmm. thinking about yeah how much I weighed that day or like what my you know how much I would need to exercise to burn off these calories or like it was just like madness like it, as if I thought it was like I thought that I was like in control of like like everything would fall apart if I stopped holding on to my life so tightly and it's like <laughs> yeah yeah um, do you, did that come from any particular like thing from like your parents or just like society in general or did you have like basically is it nature or nurture do you think um, or I th- both it's generally both but it's, sorry. Uh, yeah like let's just be safe and say both but <laughs> <laughs> I don't cover know. all my bases let's in cover a tarp. all of that I guess yeah I've been thinking about it a bit I mean I think that a lot of it probably comes from I have this like very perfectionist tendency. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like the I have a younger brother, so I'm like the oldest uh, or the older child. And yeah, I, I guess it, it feels very self-imposed a lot of the time. Like I've just put a lot of pressure on myself. Like I'm not blaming my parents for this eating disorder yeah, or whatever. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like I'm sure that I, I just like – had I've always had this fear of not being enough you know and this like deep desire for approval mm-hmm. and like caring about like how others are perceiving me so which is very ironic when I think about it because it's like it's like my instincts almost tell me like my my natural tendency is to make everything seem like my life is perfect on the outside you know Mm -hmm. what I mean like that is and it's so messed up because like at the at the root of my being all I want to do is connect with people and like nothing is more alienating than being like Katie's got a perfect life you know Mm -hmm. like it's so so I think like that like probably is the epitome of my like my struggle yeah (laughs) like that's not I'm not perfect Mm -hmm. but I but I, uh, yeah, I have a, I actually, my, part of my disease is, like, I make things look perfect on the outside. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think a lot of people in my life, unless you're really close to me, like, understand. Because I'm now, I, I really, I talk about it a lot now because mm-hmm. I feel, I mean, like, when I was really struggling with it, like, it was something that I hid from everybody because I didn't know how to talk about this. It's, like, it's, yeah, because you, uh. Yeah, there's just a lot of shame around it. Yeah. Like, I don't know how to take care of myself. Well, luckily, I think in the last few years, we've all kind of realized... Because um, I feel like up until... I feel like up until recently, rather, um, like, a lot of what we would now classify as um, diseases or, or any sort of disorder would be people would assume it was self-imposed and like she's making this choice to try and get attention or he's Mm -hmm. making like he's acting as he's drinking too much because he's like unhappy and that's his 
thing. It's his problem. Whereas now we come to a realization of like, oh, this is not necessarily this person's fault. So we can, people are more accepting of it. And it's still, there's still a lot of stigma with it, obviously. Mm -hmm. Hence like this program and so forth. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but it is like, we're getting, we're getting better at it. Um, so I would imagine there would be a lot of like discomfort with talking about it. And I'm glad that you're starting to talk about it more and I'm glad to have you on. Um, do you talk about it in your standup at all? I do talk about it in yeah. my standup. Okay. Um, which has been really interesting mm -hmm. too because I, the first time I ever did this material on it, it was kind of like, I kind of like got into it in like too jokey of a way. And then it was like, <laughs> oh, I made everyone uncomfortable. <laughs> so it's been really interesting trying to find the right balance of oh, like, sure. let me. And it's, yeah, like the more that I just like, the more that it, it like, people can tell that I'm comfortable talking about this. It's mm -hmm. like everyone kind of just like, you know, unclenches their buttholes, you know, yeah. it's like, okay. <laughs> like, it's okay. Yeah, but, um, absolutely. Yeah. It's like, I, it's, it's definitely, it's interesting. Cause I need to, when I do any material on this, I need to like, be like, it's okay. I am okay. <laughs> I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna barf on stage. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm not gonna, if you don't clap, I will go to the green room and vomit. Yeah, like, this exactly. is on you. Like, yeah, I am, like, yeah, it's all, <laughs> I can't afford therapy, so here I am at this open mic. And, um, <laughs> yeah, it's very much hey, not hey. like that. That felt like a personal attack for me. No, I'm kidding. What? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm triggered by yeah. your trigger. Yeah. Yeah. No. Oh, my God. Yeah. No, actually, so I did a show. I did a show. It was my first college show recently yeah. this year. And I was at um, – and, and it was so funny. Like, the, my set was going great. And I'm like, I'm going to I'm gonna end with my eating disorder bit, right? This will be relatable. Yeah. And it's like – Turns out there's a fine line between relatable and triggering. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And um, it was like, it was it was okay. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't feel I had to be like, guys, it's it's okay. It gets better. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. Um, after me though, I ended with this bit where I was like, I talk about oh, I talk about like when I told my doctor mm -hmm. um, that I was struggling with bulimia, and she this was like. This was several years ago. And anyways, like, she didn't really much say anything about it. Um, but then later in the appointment, as if she had just been kind of brewing, mm -hmm. you know, stewing this over, she was like, wait a second. You said you were bulimic, but you haven't lost any weight. <laughs> so I'm like, is that what we're saying to people with dormant eating disorders? Like, you must have been doing it wrong. Like, what's wrong? <laughs> and then I ended that. And then I go on to say, like, thank God she's not working, like, in a psych ward or something, yeah. you know, yeah. where she's, like, goes to the suicide floor and is like, mm -hmm. like, so wait, you tried to kill yourself, but you're still here? Here, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. must have been doing it wrong. Sure. Your uh, father is right. You can't do anything. You can't do anything yeah. right. Yeah, like, do you know what? suicide is <laughs> like um so but anyways the girl who went after me goes up she was like a college student and because it was like whatever there was new york comics and then yeah. students from this uh stand-up club doing it yeah. and then she just goes up and she's like wow katie you're a bundle of triggers <laughs> <laughs> yeah thank you for the thing i'll put on my next business card yeah. i'm a bundle of triggers <laughs> like as someone who talks about suicide a lot in their stand-up, I'm like, I, I get you. It's really a really fine line of, like, when is this funny, number one? Number two, is this going to upset anyone in, like, a mm. major way? But also, it's like, 
we're, we're joking and this is how i process my own thing but um but yeah that's really funny it's, <laughs> yeah. it's um, just but yeah i, I totally because you're you're like it's yeah because at first i was like oh my gosh i've really offended people but it's mm-hmm. like that i really the reason why i'm talking about this in the first place is just because for so long i was this like silent suffering person mm-hmm. and it's not going to help anybody else. Not that I'm doing this altruistically, like I'm trying to help people by... I mean, like, I'm just doing it because it's what's on my mind and it's what I think is funny right now. You yeah. know, like, that's why you should tell any joke. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't necessarily be like, I'm going to save the world with this material. But, you know, like, I don't think it helps anybody for me to pretend like I didn't struggle with this. Oh, absolutely. Like, that's... I don't know. Yeah, I, I think you're right, I think. And, like, that's where it comes from, like... That whole, like, honesty and comedy thing is, like, because, like, knock-knock jokes are good, but, like, also, they're not good. They never work. <laughs> like, the first knock-knock joke is in Macbeth, and it's bad. It's very bad. Is it really? Can you yes. tell it to me? No, I don't know it. It's the whole, like, there's a porter, um, a, a random comedic character comes on halfway through the play and starts telling knock-knock jokes. <laughs> it makes no sense, well, and they're all very bad. <laughs> we need to Google this. I want to... Oh, are they, I'm, like, knocketh-knocketh? Yeah, a little bit. Okay. Um, they're, like, and he did knock upon the door and said whatever um but i'll send you ian mcdearman who plays uh emperor palpatine in star wars performing the role i'll send you a clip okay um, that's great yes. i would love a clip uh, um but uh but you should be honest and you should like because what's interesting is your perspective and your voice and your disorder is part of you it's not all of you but it's something you should talk about you know what i mean right it's like you should cop to it i know it's just yeah like you write what you know you talk about what you know Mm -hmm. i yeah i know about this this shitty thing (laughs) (laughs) exactly yeah it's thankfully not shitty enough that's the other nice part that i'm realizing is like the more recovery i yeah. get the more com- the more truly comfortable i am talking about this because oh, yeah when i first started talking about it, it i'd still have the occasional like yeah every two months i kind of you know binge and purge and then it's like oh they're like part of me that's really like you know if part of me is feeling like shaky about it or like really insecure in some way you know it's mm-hmm. just like that comes across really easily and yeah makes things less fun <laughs> yeah um and I think I think it's a good thing to do anyway because you're gonna have find people like eventually someone with an eating disorder is going to be in the audience and they're gonna relate to it and they're gonna think it's funny and then also maybe talk to someone about it or like it will eventually be a good like it's a good thing to make relatable material like there's never because <laughs> if it's all just like fart fart dildo fart like it's nice and pleasant but like what are you doing i have a lot of experience with that too though. Yeah, oh, yeah, I would, <laughs> me as well me as well uh, <laughs> but yeah um yeah, but, it's true and it makes sense like not to psychoanalyze you too much even though that is the point of this program sure um, let's go yeah free therapy <laughs> yeah for sure i am not licensed um that's okay and i'm not paying you so there we go yeah <laughs> perfect it's a it's a Tip for tat. Now, um, but anyway, uh, it makes sense that you would kind of go into comedy as well because you seem to have, like, a bunch of rules in your head and, like, everything's kind of, like, that you would um, want, you know, um, that, that comedy is, like, structured and so it 
talk about that. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I do love my lists and mm-hmm. I love my <laughs> um, all the endorphins that are released when you successfully mm-hmm. connect with an audience. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd say that's the thing that I love about because, yeah, my background is in improv comedy and then I got into stand up a couple years ago yeah. or a little. I dabbled before that, but it's been a couple years that I've been doing it mm-hmm. regularly. And um, I still do improv. They're so different. Oh, yeah. Um, and I think that for me, what I like what I like about stand-up is the challenge of um, making it seem as, like, authentic and genuine as an improv set is. Because, like, mm-hmm. that's where – that's, like, engineered into – like an improv scene, there is that you have to be in the moment mm-hmm. because that is the moment. Yeah. It is happening right then. Absolutely. With stand-up, you have, there is the possibility to just get up there and recite your material, but people mm-hmm. can smell it <laughs> like if Absolutely. you're just reciting your jokes. And yeah. so, yeah, I think that that is, um, that's the, the challenge, but it's like what I, I love, uh, I love that part of it, of mm-hmm connecting with an audience because every time you do it it's the first time you've done it mm-hmm. you know for these people even though it's the whatever time mm-hmm. whatever the time you've done it yeah. um your actual material so that's the uh yeah. yeah feeling present and in the moment is actually why i like it more so than the structure actually because oh, okay. i'm not as uh yeah i actually like I, I realize i'm i'm most successful just me when i let myself go more Mm -hmm. on stage instead of try to stick word for word to this joke that I wrote, Mm -hmm. you know, or try to, you know, be like, oh, I need to get this wording down pat. It's like, yeah, it's more so when I can really be be present and like let go of my brain a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I'm I'm kind of the same way um, in as much as like when I can relax enough to be able to like because my mind doesn't stop going at any point it's really hard for me to fall asleep because of that like Mm. and so like when i can kind of just tap into that like river of like okay this thought's happening in this thought and you can just like get away with saying this one and then just keep going and like go back to the material that's the most the times where it's most successful is when you're just kind of like basically when you're relaxed yeah is what it is when you're relaxed and like um my goal is always to be as comfortable on stage doing stand-up as I am in my home rehearsing it because that's how I work. I write jokes and mm-hmm. I figure out a set that all flow together and then I'll rehearse it like a monologue, mm-hmm. it, like in my living, my living room, <laughs> my living room or what have you. And then I'll a lot of the times I'll improvise during that as well and try and find more material and being that comfortable to do it. But it is like it's... It's a really – I, I agree. You kind of want to make make it feel like you're coming up with the material on the spot, even though you're not. Like, it's this weird – and I feel like that's a new thing for stand-up because I feel like in the 80s and, like, even further back, like, in vaudeville, it was all like, hey, here's a joke. Mm-hmm. And then, like, in the mm-hmm. 80s, it was like they were kind of really figuring it out. And But there's still, like, a lot of, like – you'd have someone who is reciting – jokes or you'd have like Richard Pryor who's just like showing up and being funny Mm. and then and I I feel like it also depends on your style of comedy as well because like someone like Mitch Hedberg was reciting jokes oh yeah for sure but it was so fucking funny it was that was part of his yeah exactly like it was just part of his bit 
Whereas, yeah, whereas, I would. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's some comedians who are more like I would say, like Louis C.K. for instance. Mm-hmm. Like his style is much more conversational, and like he makes it seem like he's coming up with on the spot. I mean, like mm-hmm. more or less, you know. Like, but you know, it's every single word is like he wrote it down. Every yes, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I do find when I can when I am more relaxed on stage and when I am it is a conversation like that's what I've learned about stand-up it is actually about listening to the audience too it doesn't Mm -hmm. necessarily you know hopefully they're not talking back but like I actually kind of (laughs) I don't really mind like a talkative audience but it's because it's like it gives there's like that creates then you're playing exactly yeah, like but sure. that's the improviser in me that i'm like mm-hmm. oh great yay we're having a this is a, an authentic yep. moment yes <laughs> happening now. great there's this weird kind of um assumption these days that if you do any improv you do stand-up if you do stand-up you do improv whereas is I've, there an assumption i've i've at least at least that's been my that's been my experience oh, where okay. like um because like whereas what people kind of have to understand is stand-ups are generally writers who can also perform Mm-hmm. You know, they they write jokes and then they perform them. Whereas, like, improvisers are just, like, good at this one weird skill that we decided we all, like, enjoying watching once a month, maybe. Right. Because, like, I do, I love improv so much, so dearly. When I was in L.A., I got to see Whose Line Is It Anyway recorded, and it was the most wonderful thing. But it is, like, I could not watch an improv show every week. It, mm-hmm. There's this really interesting article um, written a few months back of, like, if it's all made up, why does it all look the same? Because it all improv seems to be very, like, because you make a herald or whatever you're doing, and but it all kind of comes to this similar fruition. And it's all very fun, but what I'm... This sounds very hipstery and pretentious. What I'm really interested to see is where we're going to take it, because right now it's hit what it does really well. Mm. And there hasn't been like a super advancement in the form, and I would like to see where that's going next. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I definitely, hmm. I would say there is a sort of trend towards this like formulaic improv thing. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's kind of like we found this thing that was really fun and great, and then mm-hmm. we like found a way to teach everyone how to do it but then Mm. in the teaching of it became kind of this rigid thing and there's like all these rules and all this structure and that's like one of the somebody one of my favorite um improvisers or one of my favorite improv teachers is Mick Napier who wrote uh his book or one of his books is called Improvise and it's his philosophy he founded the Annoyance Theater in Chicago and he talks a lot about like Basically, saying that there's rules of improv really, like, gets you in your head and really, like, takes away all the joy mm-hmm. that was in the original. Im- you know, it's kind of like, oh, improv was this great. So, because what you're saying is 100% right, and that's a product of people following these rules and, like, mm-hmm. focusing on what not to do. And when you focus on what not to do, you create a lot of, like, you know, run-of-the-mill, like, boring, mm-hmm. not always boring improv but you know it's it's just yeah. it's it has Similar. all the same yes it has the same flavor yeah. and so but what real uh yeah i don't know i think that the the magic of of improv is still like a real thing oh, but for it's sure. but it's also like yeah it's it's hard to 
it's hard to define it. And also, like, improvisers don't really get paid. Like, no, but I'm not going to. Like, that's <laughs> yeah. not a oh, thing. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, but it's, I I still do it because it's, like, what gives me the most joy. Mm-hmm. And when I, when you do, like, a scene, like, it's just, like, when you are actually improvising and you are, like, letting yourself go mm-hmm. into that. It's, like, because improv has helped me with every single aspect of my entire life. Oh, it's for sure. It's the only reason I know how to have a conversation. With, <laughs> like, it's the reason we're talking right now. Yeah, yeah. Kidding. But, like, <laughs> um, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like, on the one hand, something that every single human in the world could benefit from. Yeah. Because we all need help being more present and in the moment and, like, knowing how to react when you don't know what's coming next Mm -hmm. which is what life is which is literally what life is Mm -hmm. and we're all kind of bad at life i mean like you know uh, like i know how to do things when i know what's gonna happen (laughs) you're born you tread water and then you die that is the so this is like treading water more joyfully Mm because you're like i don't know and i don't i don't need to i don't need to know exactly i'm dog paddling yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, and I love improv as well. I've actually been, well, I've been wanting to take some classes because I think it would benefit both my acting and then also my stand-up if I like, because I've gotten to a point where, like I was saying, I'm, I get very tense before going on stage, mm. and I was like, I need to learn because like, I'm still pretty new to stand-up, and so I am still nervous about how well it's gonna go. Whereas like I'm comfortable enough with acting because I've been doing it for like twelve years. Mm-hmm. Where I show up on stage and I'm like, as long as I know my li- like, I'll get nervous that I'll forget my lines, but I'm never gonna be nervous that I'm gonna do a bad job acting. Mm-hmm. Whereas I am still nervous that I will write a joke that will not land and not knowing how to get out of that. So um, I really want to do some improv classes so I get comfortable with the idea of like being relaxed on stage essentially and i also i really that's how i started off doing improv as well um and Mm. i really love it um but i agree that it's a really good metaphor for dealing with life um colin mockery said something very sweet because uh his child recently transitioned from a man to a woman Mm. and he goes well it was just like a opportunity for me to yes and this and i was like oh well that's really lovely colin well done yes well done yeah (laughs) yes yeah that's that's really what it is Mm -hmm. it's it yeah you're gonna be thrown curveballs whether you're performing a set like Mm -hmm. yeah chances are you're like what is a perfect set there really isn't (laughs) you know there's always gonna be something unexpected Mm -hmm. and so being okay with that instead of just being terrified of like when's it gonna happen when's the unexpected thing gonna happen it's Mm -hmm. like oh yeah we'll know because we're gonna be right here in this Mm -hmm. moment at all times Mm -hmm. yeah i've been getting better at it but it's still very nerve-wracking i think a perfect set is when people show up there you go that's the only qualifier if you're doing it alone in a room and you're doing your set, you're either rehearsing or it's it's a bad set because no one's there. <laughs> a perfect set. That's a good, nice low bar for yeah. just like, yeah, this set was great because there was a friend. <laughs> yeah, there was a person in the audience. Someone, good. yeah. Um, do you find that you're like a very anxious person as well because you have like all this like wanting to be perfect and like that sort of thing? I, does that like manifest in like fear oh my god yes i mean that's where yeah that's where it all comes from fear Mm -hmm. um yeah so like that's thankfully like i have these indicators of when that's getting high you know Mm -hmm. like i but 
a hundred percent. Like I, and that's like, I feel like that definitely comes from like, my parents were always so afraid. It's so weird. Like my, like when I would like leave the house, I'd be like, be careful. You know, they're always afraid I was going to get hurt or something. You know, Hmm. my dad doesn't keep sharp knives around. Like my, it's just, yeah. They're like, well, don't just be careful with that. Be careful. (laughs) And like, I don't know. I think that I just had this be careful attitude with a lot of things in yeah. life, you know, like afraid of taking a risk because of what might happen. And it's like, what might happen? You mm-hmm. know, like, so I just, I know that I have that tendency to be overly worried and like not do things because I'm afraid of the outcome. But guess what? Like what the outcome of not doing it is that you didn't do it, you yeah. know, and that's the worst. So to answer your question, like I, oh yeah, have so much anxiety and fear but also it's um I know that that happens when I like when I am trying to be in control of too much so the more that I can kind of surrender be like oh I am packing too much into my day let me just take take it one step at a time let's go with the flow a little bit Mm -hmm. um so yeah it's it's certainly something that I like work through um yeah do you have any like specific techniques that you were taught or is it just like like you were saying just taking a minute and doing some self-talk and going we're okay Katie we're okay I do you know I'm going back to the artist way one Mm -hmm. thing that I do um that well so the artist way is a book by Julia Cameron Mm -hmm. and it's a it's about creative recovery so for people who are blocked creatives, which mm-hmm. is everyone. Like, yeah. every single person on this earth is, like, meant to be creative. And if you're like, I'm not a creative person, then that just means you're a blocked creative person. So, essentially, yeah, it. Uh, one of the tools that she has you use is called morning pages, where you, the first thing you do in the morning is you get up and write uh, three pages of stream of consciousness. You know, it takes, like, 15 minutes. And it's there's no pressure for it to be good, or sentences. It doesn't have to be any, you know, it's just like you dump out your mind onto the page. And um, yeah, I don't, doing those in the morning really kind of really helped me just like check in with myself and see where I'm at. Um, yeah. And I would say it's, yeah, it's, it's a n- nice way to just kind of set the intention of, you know, what, like, what are we doing today? What are we doing today? But not in the sense of like, because the old Katie, like the tightly wound Katie would be like, let's make a list. Like, what is every single moment of the day going to look like? Mm-hmm. And this is more like, what do we need to? Yeah. Where I'm like, oh, cool. I have some downtime. Let's make a list of what the rest of the day is going to look like. It's insane. <laughs> it's just so crazy. But yeah. So actually doing. Yeah. And so recently I've, I've uh, done this. I've done a 12-step program, Overeaters Anonymous. And I and doing that actually really gave me a different – it's a whole – I don't know if you're familiar with 12-step programs, but – More or less. More or less. Okay, yeah. So it's yeah. essentially like that really teaches you a whole new design for living, which yeah. is very closely linked in my mind, or at least with my creative life and my mm-hmm. creative recovery. Because essentially what – as an addict, you know, as somebody who like has a food addiction or like a – a sugar addiction and and like have this like eating disorder mm-hmm. you know it's like that was 
the th- those are the things that were like blocking me from like what a 12-step program would say is your higher power or God or mm-hmm. just like that creative flow in my life. You know, it's like oftentimes that's that's like what I personally equate. Oh, yeah. My, um, yeah. My, uh, my theory about like because there's in Genesis uh, there's that line that God, man was made after God's own image. I always reckon that was the impulse to create because that's mm. if you're going off of a Judeo-Christian um, mythos, then like that's basically the most important thing that God did was make everything. So to be like God is to make things. So I agree with you. Continue, please. If you add anything. No? Okay. Uh, No, no. (laughs) Okay. I mean, yes. (laughs) Okay. I just, I feel like I interrupted. No, 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 no. Um, Okay. (laughs) Good. Oh, well, actually, though, just going back to, yeah, no, the thought Mm -hmm. of, um, See that? Yeah, no, no. I guess it's like a, it's like a somewhat related thought, but mm-hmm. it's not exactly on the same train. But, um, but Elizabeth Gilbert, one thing that she talks about also in her TED talk, which I think you you've probably seen her. I haven't. Te- oh my gosh! I will okay, have you to. gotta watch it. She talks about your creative genius, mm. and like what a genius genius is is this like, um, or essentially she talks about how ideas come to us mm-hmm. and that creativity and inspiration is really just like an invitation to collaborate with like basically an idea you know Mm -hmm. like okay I and it's it's so I love that whole theory and that you know like that imagery just of like it's not me because as soon as you're like I am the one creating this stuff it's like you're putting so much pressure you're not only are you putting pressure on yourself to like create it but you're also or for it to be good, like you're gonna blame yourself if it's bad, and then like take all the credit for it if it's good. And it's like, is that really? Um, that's just like not. That's just not helpful for yeah. me, you know, to be like, oh, I'm in charge. It's like, no, I'm not in charge. I'm just here, and I'm open for mm-hmm. inspiration mm-hmm. to come to me. And that is that, like, you know. Yeah, I constantly find the best artists are. This idea is more important than what I. I'm contributing to it. Like um, Gene Wilder said about Woody Allen when he worked with him, um, the genius of Woody was that he understood, like, because he said, if you want to say it a different way, just do it. The genius of Woody Allen was to realize that the event that he was making was the most important thing. Mm. Not how it was said, not who was in it, the event, the thing that was happening. And so I think it's very similar to what you're saying of like, the thing is the important thing, not that you're doing it. Right. Like, taking my ego out of what's mm-hmm. what's happening. Yeah. And, and, yeah. And whatever idea I have about what success is. Yeah. Do the thing because you want to do the thing. And the thing is important. Right. Yes. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, like, the art wants to be made. The idea wants to be... Mm-hmm. The idea needs you to make it come to life. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a weird symbiotic relationship that I think everyone, um, and going back to what you're saying, like everyone is creative and that's the the godliness in everyone, like is how I've always viewed it. And I think everyone has ideas and they're all worth pursuing and at least a little bit. And you don't, like, I feel specifically like in America, uh, with the way performers and entertainers and actors are treated as though 
there's like a fame tax. Like if you're, even if it's a very small one of, if you're performing, it's assumed that you want the attention and not necessarily the product. Yeah, like being famous. Oh yeah, is such a like and if you if yeah. your goal on any is to be famous, it's like that's going to just bite it's just going to create misery. I yeah. you know, cuz it's like once you get to that destination, mm-hmm. it's going to you're you or like if you expect to be happy when you get to a certain level of fame or recognition, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. It's like I think that I think that's been the biggest yeah, realization for me is that like I need to enjoy the process. Oh, for sure. Because that's all that Yeah, like if I'm not enjoying the road to where I don't even know where it leads to, but like mm-hmm. that's not important. It's just like yeah. yeah. Being connected and and feeling like yeah, that the process is worthwhile is important. Yeah. Um Heath Ledger said the minute this isn't fun anymore, I'm going to stop doing it. And yeah. it's kind of like, mm-hmm. remember the reason you started it and go from there. I've always wanted to be famous and have a lot of money so I could give to charities and set up things like that. But that's just because uh, unlike you, when I do talk about suicide in my stand-up, I am being altruistic. I'm very selfish. Yeah. I want to help people. I just want to <laughs> yeah. help people. I want people to go, oh, no, Tristan's a very good person. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, everyone does, I think. Everyone, yeah, exactly. Like, it's, oh, yeah, in a perfect world. Of course. Like, <laughs> can't wait till I have my eating disorder platform and I can just help everyone. Exactly. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, oh, of course. I have, cor- I have all of these delusions of grandeur. Don't worry. Oh. I have, like, yeah. uh, and I don't I think there's anything wrong with that. No. Because, again, gives you a goal to try and go like and like there's this thing of I don't think that's necessarily being unsatisfied with your station in life isn't necessarily a bad thing you should be grateful for every inch you get while you're also slowly creeping forward right yeah like I don't think I think that as soon as you feel comfortable like I could be here forever it's like oh then you're then you're slowly dying yeah you actually <laughs> at that point you said oh my god there's a great oh, there's a great quote I forget how it goes like the moment at which oh yeah the moment at which we think we know we start to die something yeah. like that it's like so true yeah mm-hmm. it's like as soon as you're like I've got this all figured out and pretty comfortable and mm-hmm. I think this is just how I'm gonna be for the rest of my life mm-hmm. ugh, ugh. and like I've always two things um one I've always thought that the first step to being wise is to realize everyone doesn't know anything. Like, mm. we're all, like, just trying to figure it out. Like, I've looked at 80-year-olds in the eyes, and they've gone, it never gets easier. We have no idea what's going on. Oh, my gosh. I yeah. still feel like I'm 25. And I'm like, that's t- scary, but okay, now I'm prepared for that. But at least, like, yeah, it's like, okay, that's true. Yeah, okay, cool. Um, and then the other thing is, like, I think they that say people don't change what they're saying is I don't want to change because everyone is changing all the time. No one's consistent. Like, cause your personality shifts based off of environment because we're all evolving and we're all adapting. Yeah. So, like if you don't change, that means you're stuck in life. And what are you doing then? You're ter- That's such a fear. I totally agree with you. Cause it's like, if you are like, yeah, people don't, if you think people don't change, mm-hmm. you're actually you're probably limiting yourself. You're limiting how big your life is going to get mm-hmm. by saying this is it. I've decided like this is how big it gets and or or this is where I stay and the fear of changing mm-hmm. is huge, you know, or the fear that if I change 
this person won't love me. If I change, like something bad is going to happen. And it's it takes a lot of fearlessness to check in with yourself and actually get current of like, this is who I am today. Mm-hmm. And that, and what's scary is like, but scary, but also kind of liberating is that you can be honest with yourself in this moment and honor that truth. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, like say you have a, you know, there's like someone in your life that really just isn't a good relationship for you. You know, you're like, you, t- in this moment, it's not healthy for me to be t- in contact with that person. Mm-hmm. In a month, I might have, there might be some circumstances that change that make it okay. You know, like mm-hmm. s- making rules for yourself about, making rules, that forever rules for yourself. Yeah. is just so toxic. You know, it's like you, yeah. you start to like decide how the world works and then that is like, you've stopped figuring it you know like you are so far away from how the world really works mm-hmm. yeah like set boundaries but also be willing to change them and be willing to be like yeah just like radically open to whatever yeah whatever comes i don't know these are all ideals that i yeah. live by but i don't necessarily do them perfectly well, of course not <laughs> that's that's impossible i wish that i did and, yeah i think that's a great like another great realization I've had is like everyone's a hypocrite they say one thing and then do the exact opposite whenever it's convenient for them mm-hmm. because like that's we're human beings we're all we all we're all terrible we're all terrible human beings but we're trying at least the ones that are trying are generally I think better people in because they they know better at least you know because they're trying to they know they're not good, so they're trying to compensate for it. Um, I think people who decide that they are good in their head are often arrogant and hurt more people. Look mm-hmm. at our president. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he has decided in his head what I'm doing is correct. No matter right. what comes out of my mouth, it is right. Oh, yeah. And for sure. it's just like a 12 year old, like a two year old stomping around, like it doesn't make any sense. Um, and what's crazy is like oftentimes, the admi- like saying I don't know. Oh, it's so freeing. Oh my god, and it's yeah, like <laughs> you can't disagree. Yeah, it's like that that kind of vulnerability is like you really like yeah. That's it's like you can't trust anybody who's not willing to say they don't know. Yeah, because obviously they're lying and they think they're <laughs> infallible and they're Donald Trump. But whatever. Okay. Um, yeah, it's also theorized like um, if you look at Dante's Hell, every single thing is the same action repeated and repeated and repeated, even if it's a pleasurable thing. You know, it's they that are gluttonous will eat forever. They that are sexually promiscuous will never not be able to be experiencing both pleasure and pain. So change is the ideal, Mm. I think, and progress is what is perfect. So everyone should read as many self-help books as you and I do. Absolutely. Start a bullet journal. Get some Elizabeth Gilbert. Yes. I'll read some Hardwick and some uh, Craig Ferguson's book is also very good. Okay. Very yeah. Inspiring. Let's do some. Yeah. We'll do a little book club. Yeah. Shall we? I would love that. Um, there's a lot of um, I read a lot of former alcoholics books. That's what I find more and more because. That's, yeah. It's. Because there's that thing of like, well, you realize life is for living and being in present is what's important. Right. And it is that thing of like, oh my gosh, that living in the present moment is such a, like everyone talks about, you know, like mm-hmm. the power of now, another good one. Have you read that? No, Eckhart I have not. Tolle. Okay. Mm-hmm. Put it on the list. Um, you- <laughs> but it's like, you can read about it all you want. And until you're like, 
oh, I'm experiencing this. It doesn't work, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like however you can hook into it for yourself. And I think it's a worthy pursuit. Like, that's the only... I think it really is. Like, if you can get to the point where you are... You feel like you are in a present moment, Mm -hmm. then I think that's... That's amazing. Like, that's the goal. You know, like, it's about kind of adjusting your expectations and your idea of what, like being fulfilled and successful is because I honestly do think that being like present in a moment mm-hmm. is like the the whole like where you derive any meaning from yeah I I would agree with that and I think um and once again another good one is paddle your own canoe by Nick Offerman and oh, he yeah. says um if you're happy at home then you'll be happy in the workplace So if you're, and it's that idea of like, if you derive success from being personal happiness, or at least being all right, coping, Mm. like being okay outside, your work gets better. Like you're acting, you're writing, your comedy, anything you're doing on the side gets better if you feel fulfilled or at least more fulfilled than not outside and that's why like i know a lot of people that are artists that are like addicted to misery and going it's really hard it's really hard and oh I'm just, my God. if yeah. i had success i would be happy it's like no be happy and then you'll have success yeah oh my god a hundred percent and that's and that is the biggest thing i've realized is that actually like feeling at peace with myself and feeling that is a huge like that's everything yeah. that's what it is and if i don't have yeah, if I don't have that, then I, I, I can't. Whatever I'm seeking out there, it doesn't matter. Yeah, what's you the know, point? there's it's not gonna. Yeah, no amount of Bikram yoga is gonna fix <laughs> me. There's like no, <laughs> no number of sets a week is gonna make me feel fulfilled. It's mm-hmm. gonna be like, yeah, can I sit alone with myself for five minutes? That's so hard. Mm. Speaking of. Miserable. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> it's no, hard, but no, it is hard, but it's yeah. worthy of a trying to do it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's difficult because, like, at least, and I talk about this a lot in my stand-up. Like, my my head is a lot harder on me than anyone else in my life has ever been. Mm. Like, the things we say to ourselves in our own minds are horrendous. And if anyone talked, once again, Craig Ferguson, this is the most helpful thing. Talk to yourself in your mind as though. You are a friend mm-hmm. that you like. <laughs> yeah. So when you're like, oh, man, I feel so terrible. What would you say to a friend that was like, oh, man, I, this 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 relationship's not working out. Okay, well, buddy, what do you what's what's bad about it? And then you talk it out with yourself. Yeah. I literally call myself babe in my head. Oh, my gosh. I love that. That's <laughs> yeah. really funny. I don't like when anyone else calls me that, but I could call myself babe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, hey, babe. Yeah, it's like, That's so, babe, you all right? Just, okay. <laughs> One thing Elizabeth Gilbert said. I got to hear her speak, actually. <gasps> I know. It was, you know, <laughs> it yeah. was uplifting. Yes. Um, someone asked her, how do you do it? You know, like, how do you how do you talk to yourself? Mm-hmm. And she just, like, with a straight face was like, I talk to myself like I'm a wounded animal from a kill shelter. <laughs> <laughs> like wonderful. Isn't that amazing? Just yes. I play a little Sarah McLaughlin in my head. Treat yourself like you are a rescue animal. <laughs> That has just been saved from the clutches of death. And you're like, <laughs> yes, it's like, that is what we need. We need to be nurtured like that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, God. I love that. 
-hmm. we have to be really careful with our artists because they're, you know, like our inner, our creative selves are the most Mm -hmm. vulnerable and they are like childlike and they are, yeah, we got to treat them with like some tender love and care. Yeah. I find those that are kind to themselves are more kind to other people as well. Because it's like, it's reflective. So like, because if your instinct in your own mind is to go, shut the fuck up, Mm -hmm. that's what's going to come out as well. (laughs) Yeah. Because like, and then you're like, okay, that guy's just angry all the time. That's okay. We'll just not hang out with him for a little bit. Oh, yeah. But that's so true when somebody, and also like recognizing that in other people is huge because you're Mm -hmm. like, oh, that person is like, because a lot of, because what what I'll do if someone says something remotely passive aggressive to me or even actually aggressive you Mm -hmm. know it's like i'll internalize that and be like i did something wrong yeah but if i can start recognizing that as like that person's sick and suffering Mm -hmm. they really do not like themselves you know like i can that i can empathize with you Mm -hmm. know because i've been i yeah yeah i think i anyone who hasn't gone through a point of not liking themselves it's very that's why children are so obnoxious because generally they're like, I'm great because I don't know any better. I have no experience. And, and that's why they are as arrogant as they are. And if you just continue on, (laughs) that's why rich people are obnoxious as well because they've never like gone, man, I really hate that. I have all this means and money and Oh God, I just hate my life unless they're English. There you go. Yeah, then that gives them. <laughs> I, having just seen uh, Kevin Klein perform an old coward play, yes, they do hate themselves. No, um, but it's it kind of you get a chip on your shoulder in regards to like yourself, and you kind of go, if you go, I don't like me because of this reason, and then you go, okay, well then fix it, and then you can kind of become a full human being. At least that's been my experience. So, yeah, kind of. Yeah, we all have, like, these holes inside of us and, like, just recognizing where, yeah, where our holes are is Mm. important, I think, you know? And, and, like, yeah. And it seems seems, like very self-centered and arrogant, but it's not to, to, like, talk to ourselves. Like, here's the thing, actually, I love – it's, it, it's like you need to be co- – like how do you balance confidence and humility, right? Mm-hmm. Like the confidence that like I am deserving. I deserve to be successful. I deserve mm-hmm. like to be fulfilled. and But like I also believe that the humility comes in because like everybody also deserves this. Exactly. I am not special. Mm-hmm. We are all – we all deserve to f- be fulfilled and connected and, and happy. You know, mm-hmm. we are – we – yeah, so it's about um, yeah. I think it's it's like that's where yeah, figuring that out is just like a good place, <laughs> good I place agree. to be. I don't know. And I think it's a good place to end the conversation. Yeah, this has been wonderful. Oh, this has been so wonderful. Thank you very much for coming on. Yes, I am. I thank you for having me. You're quite welcome. All right. Well. Yes. Goodbye. You cannot me down, but you can try. You can try, try. Come on, you can tell me why. Tell me why, tell me why.